Well, good morning and uh, welcome and thank you again for, for streaming with us, for tuning in. Um, it's really great to, to see all you when we're hosting, to see the comments, to see each other saying hello and uh, also the prayers that kind of go back and forth. Don't forget to submit your prayer request. We're going to pray a little later in the service for you. If uh, for some reason we, we don't pray for you from the stage, know that our leadership and our staff I will continue to pray for what's on your hearts. I want to give you a quick update on Randy. He is fine. And actually, his quarantine ended yesterday, and so he's anxious to get back. Uh, he's not in his natural habitat. This is his natural habitat, and so it's going to be good to have him back in the pulpit uh, next week. He's going to be preaching um, a new sermon series, and it's going to be pretty interesting, and it's well-timed. Um, I've been praying specifically for some different news, because every time I've turned on the TV, everything is all about this virus. And the thing was, I made a mistake. I wasn't praying specifically. I should be praying for good news. And so that's what Randy is going to be talking about. He's going to be sharing some good news with us over the next few weeks. He, we were going to start this series uh, a week or two earlier, but he really wanted to hold off because this is really on his heart uh, to preach about uh, some good news. We're also going to be taking another shot at, uh, at restarting our in-person services on the 14th, and so please uh, stay tuned. And uh, if, you, if you watch that walkthrough that we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, you'll know that we're prepared and that we have everything set up to keep you as safe and as comfortable as possible. And like we said then, we'll say it now, if you're not comfortable coming back to an in-person service just yet. That's perfectly fine. Uh, we're still going to continue our live stream. That's not going to change. Uh, if, you're, if you're vulnerable, if you're in those um, demographics that put you most at risk, again, uh, we want you to feel comfortable in your own home. I uh, also want to remind you, we're going to have communion here a little later on. So if you haven't gathered up those elements, the bread and the juice, you might want to think about doing that uh, just so you're not rushing as we continue on. And so I wanted to uh, share with you, Randy preached about faith a few weeks ago. And then uh, last week I preached about love through grace. And so today we're going to preach about another element. I'm going to share with you about another element that's important and it goes right along with all of those. But first I wanted to talk about uh, and share with you a little bit about my son's experience as a Boy Scout. Now, when he was in his Boy Scout troop years ago, uh, we used to travel with him. I was the, the troop committee chairman. We used to travel with them, and they did something every month. And whenever they were staying overnight, they always camped. Now, this is even in January. I mean, they, they camped year-round. There were no hotels involved in a, in a, in a scout trip. And so they, they split up into troops. And then the boys had to do their own preparation, had to do their own shopping and their own cooking. They had to take care of their own needs because we were teaching them to be self-sufficient. And we were teaching them that they needed four basic things to survive if they were ever separated in the wilderness. The first thing they needed was food. They needed food. You, you, you can survive for quite a long time with, without food. Some people, like me, I can survive a little bit longer but uh, you have to have food. You also have to have shelter. You have to have a way to be sheltered from the elements, from the rain or from the snow or from the sun. 
You've got to have shelter. You also have to have water. You know, you can get by without food for quite some time, but only a few days without water. And so that's key to survival is having water. And then the last is you have to have breathable air. And you can't make it more than a few minutes without air. So food, shelter, water, and air. Those are four things that the scouts know are, are just, you have to have them for survival. But I want to add one more thing, and that's hope. To survive, we have to have hope. Paul said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And so we've talked about faith and we've talked about love before, uh, but there's no hope without those two things. So we need hope as well. So what is hope? To define hope, I'd like to start by explaining what hope isn't. Hope is not optimism. It's not optimism because optimism is, is psychological. It, you know, the glass half full or the glass half empty. We've heard that analogy. And, and optimism, it only works with things that you can control. And so it tries to convince you that things aren't really all that bad. But hope is a lot different than that. Hope tells you, yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. See, see optimism denies reality. But, but hope acknowledges it. And I think there's three kinds of hope that we can talk about today. One is wishful. It's wishful thinking. It doesn't really have a basis in reality. I hope I can win the lottery. And that's not very likely. You know, the analogies, there's a lot of them. They say you're more than likely to be hit by lightning than to win the lottery. And so I, the one that I liked a little bit better was you're more, than, you're more likely to go to the moon than to win the lottery. Of course, we're a little bit closer now as, you know, the SpaceX launch yesterday. If you're kind of a space nerd like me, that was pretty cool. And so we're a little bit closer to being back on the moon, but it's still pretty long odds. Um, and so that's just wishful thinking. Again, it's not based in reality. Then there's expectant hope. And that has, that has some basis in reality. You know, I, I planted some beans last week. I, I built some arbors and I, I planted a bunch of pole beans. And so I'm expecting those to sprout. And I'm expecting them to grow. And then that has some basis in reality, right? But there's a lot of things that can happen. Uh, like when those, if, if it rains a lot, and it, we sure have had a lot of rain uh, recently, but it could wash those beans out when they do sprout. Um, some nice little bunny rabbits that live around the house, they could have a good feast off of those. Even if the bushes grow and the beans start to pot out, I could, they could suffer blight and insects can take them. And so there's no guarantee that I'm going to have enough beans in the fall to can. And so I'm expecting that but it may not happen. You know, when, when someone is pregnant, they're said to be expecting, but we all know tragically there's a lot of things that can happen during that term. And so that's expectant hope. But then there's certain hope based on reality. That's having faith that things will happen. It's not wishful thinking. The author of Hebrews said this, we have this hope as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. 
See, faith is the assurance of things that we can't see. And you really can't experience hope without faith. Without faith, there's no hope. Without hope, there's no faith. The author says that hope in Christ is a certain hope. It's a certain hope through faith. It's strong and it's trustworthy. It's our anchor. You know, an anchor is a pretty key piece of equipment with a boat. Well, this made me think about the time when I was a child. My dad was an outdoorsman and we had a John boat. We always had a boat of some sort. And we had to have an anchor. Now, ours wasn't all that fancy. Uh, it's funny that I remember this, but our anchor was a coffee can that my dad had bent a bolt and he poured concrete in it. And that was heavy enough to, to stabilize our John boat. It kept it from drifting. And if a larger boat came by and the wakes got high, that anchor kept the wakes from crashing on the boat hull and it kept it stable. And so that's what an anchor does. And you know, ships of any size, they need an anchor. And the bigger the ship, the bigger the anchor. And it serves the same purpose. It keeps the ship from drifting. But also when the storms come and when, and when the waves rise... The, the anchor keeps the waves from crashing the hull. You know, a big freight, a freighter or an oil tanker, they're so large, and if they don't have an anchor, when the storms come, the, the waves can actually break the boat up. And so the anchor stabilizes it and protects it when the storms rise. Folks, Jesus is our anchor. No faith in Him is no hope at all. Real hope is based on God's Word. Not my wishes and not my emotions. It's based on what God said. But more importantly, hope is certain because of the things that God can't do. I just said that. I said there's things that God can't do. God can't forsake Himself because He's God. God can't turn a blind eye to sin because He's a perfect judge. So why is hope in God so certain? Because God cannot lie. And God makes a lot of promises in His Word. I haven't counted all these myself, but, but I'm told that there are 7,000 promises that God has made in His Word. And God can't lie. Our hope is in His promises and nothing else. We can count on that. Jesus gave some good advice to His disciples when He taught them, pray always and never give up hope. Pray always. See, we've got a choice when the storms come. We've got an option. We can panic or we can pray. We can worry or we can worship. You know, it's, I was thinking about this. It really kills me that so many times... Whenever I'm going through some stuff in my life, it seems like too many times the last thing I do is pray. I see it as my last option. But folks, when the storms come, when troubles come, the first place we ought to be is on our knees and praying to God. It's what Jesus said. Pray always and never give up hope. Jesus is our certainty. He is our anchor. He's our hope when things are hopeless. We need to turn to Him in our hopelessness. 
That's the place we need to go. That's the certain hope that we have is in Jesus. Rick Warren, not too long ago, uh, did a survey. And I believe it was probably with his own people in Saddleback Church. That's a big enough place to get you know, a pretty broad spectrum of answers. But he asked people, you know, what makes you feel hopeless? What are, the, what are the top things that bring about hopelessness in your life? And I want to share those ten, those ten feelings. One, people, the, the number one thing that they answered is feeling hopeless or feeling abandoned. Feeling left alone brought about hopelessness. The second was uh, when life just seems out of control. When things are going on and I can't control it at all, that just brings about hopelessness. Or when they didn't see a purpose in their life. When they just didn't know why that they're, that they're getting up every day. Or grieving a loss. You know, that brings about hopelessness. I know there's a few of you in the room and online where you've lost a loved one. And that can make you feel pretty hopeless. I know I lost my father. He's the closest person that I've ever lost about five, six years ago. And you know, I remember thinking when he passed on, I am really alone now. The person that I would call for advice or the person I would share things with, you know, he was kind of somebody that, that I was anchored in. And so I grieved that loss. And so my mother-in-law is at home on hospice. And so we're going through that right now even. And so grieving a loss can bring about hopelessness. Some people are hopeless because they just don't know what they need. They don't know how uh, their next meal might be coming or whatever. They just don't know uh, what they need. Or some people are hopeless because they've done something wrong. And they're racked with guilt over offending someone or doing something that they know is wrong. Hopelessness can happen when we've been deeply wounded by somebody. And, and it's more than likely when we're wounded by someone and it really hurts, it's because it's someone that's close to us. Because those are the ones that can hurt us the most. And so that can be hopeless. Or when they feel like they're being pulled in the wrong direction or tempted to, to go down a, a wrong path. Or maybe hounded by fear. And it, we can pretty much understand that today because we're, we're cowering about this, this virus and this this hopeless feeling that we have against something that we can't even see. And so that can hound us and that can feel hopeless. Or when it looks like we've just lost, when it looks like that it's just defeat and it's inevitable. Folks, I want to share with you the anecdote for that type of hopelessness. And it maybe sounds a little too simple, but the anecdote for hopelessness can be found in the Lord's Prayer. It's in God's Prayer. When I first saw this, when I first read this, I was kind of blown away by it. And I thought how simple this is. And I knew I was going to have to share this with somebody. So I'm happy to share this with you today. You know, you may be like me. I've known the, Lord prayer, the Lord's Prayer my whole life. I learned it and memorized it as a kid. But you know, I've never really paid much attention to what it really means. If, if you're anything like me, you, you may be able to say it, but you can't say that you've prayed it. And so that really convicted me when I was looking at, at this, uh, this information that I came across. I didn't write this, but it's, it's pretty much gold. 
See, when it comes to the Lord Prayer, again, we can say it, but we, we don't pray it sometimes. This was what Jesus gave as an answer to his disciples when they said, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. And so I really believe that Jesus gave this to his disciples as a guide for hope. I want to, sh- I want to review these, these anecdotes to each one of those line items I shared with you before. I want to give you the, the hopelessness and, and look what the answers that we can find in the Lord's Prayer. Feeling hopeless or feeling abandoned. The answer is this. Our Father in heaven will never abandon you. Our Father in heaven will never abandon you. You know, calling God by His name, calling Him Father, that, in 2,000 years ago, that was radical. Because you see, before Jesus, before what He did, God dwelled in the Holy of Holies in the temple in one place, and it was separated from the rest of the temple by this thick curtain, this heavy curtain. And no one could enter the presence of God except for one priest, the high priest, once a year. And even then they tied a rope around this guy because if he came into the presence of God, it would be more than he could handle. He might die. And no one was going to be willing to go in and get him, so they would drag him out. And so we were separated from God by this thick curtain, and we needed a go-between. But then Jesus corrected that. Jesus ripped the curtain. And now we have a direct access to a living God, and we can call Him our Dad. We can call Him Father. And He will never abandon you. He is the perfect Father. When life seems like it's out of control, know this, God's power is greater than any problem you can have. Listen to that again. God's power is greater than anything you're going through. It's greater than that. Take comfort in that. Hallowed be thy name. The the name of God brings about great power. There's nothing more powerful than the Lord and and His glory. When you don't see a purpose, know this. God fits everything into His perfect plan. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And our purpose is to do His will. Now, we all have different ways, different skills, different talents, different gifts, but we all have the same purpose, and that is to do the will of God. When you're grieving a loss, understand that God has a greater purpose. God has a greater purpose. Thy will be done. We're not always going to understand it when we lose someone, especially when it's unexpected. And sometimes it's not going to make sense to us, but God knows what He's doing. And folks, we can take comfort as Christians that death doesn't have to be the end. It doesn't have to be. When, when people don't know what they need, God has an answer. God promised to meet our needs. Give us our daily bread. You know, I've lived this. I know a lot of people that have myself. When you finally surrender to that and you believe that, and you, you, you set out to do God's will, God will take care of your basic needs. Notice that it doesn't say give us our weekly bread. Give us our monthly bread. God is going to give you what you need when you need it. 
when you've done something wrong, when you're racked with guilt, you've got to understand that Jesus paid the price for all the wrongs that you've done and all the wrongs that you will do. Forgive us our sins. He paid that price. He's the high priest once and for all. To worry about our salvation, Paul says, is to try to crucify Christ over and over again. We're not supposed to worry about that. If you've done someone wrong, make amends as best you can. Ask God for forgiveness. Accept it and move on. When someone has been deeply wounded by someone, please know that God will settle all scores. And forgive those who sin against us. You know, there's cries for injustice in Minneapolis today. We hear that. But know this and understand it. Nobody gets away with anything. All of us will have to answer before God. I'm prayerful that there will be justice from what happened here on earth. But everyone's going to answer to the Father. Everyone will stand before Him. Paul said, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for His wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay says the Lord. There's a lot of righteous anger towards a couple of police officers in Minneapolis. There's a lot of unrighteous anger there too. I understand that, but regardless of the justice of man, I think these, these folks will pay their, their price here on earth, but regardless of the justice that man deals out, God will judge them. But what does Jesus tell us to do? Does he tell us to hate them and have contempt? He tells us to forgive them. Now, I know that sounds hard. And boy, I don't see that on Facebook. But these men deserve salvation as much as we do. We don't deserve it, neither do they. But we're to pray for them. And we're to pray for their forgiveness. We're to forgive them. And I pray for their repentance because what they're facing without Jesus is a great peril. And who would wish that on anyone? I pray that they find Jesus and I pray that they call for forgiveness for Him. Maybe we're being pulled in the wrong direction. We're being led down the wrong path. God promises to help you. Lead us not into temptation is our call. Paul said, no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with temptation, He will also provide a way to escape so that you're able to bear it. We will give in to temptation. There is no doubt about that. But, but God offers us an escape plan. And I think as we grow closer to Jesus, as we grow further along on our journey, I think we give in less to the temptations that we have. But even then, God will give us an option. God will give us a way out. It's up to us to take it. But God will always give us a route out. When you're hounded by fear, just remember that Jesus is a greater power than any other. Jesus is a greater power. Deliver us from the evil one. Jesus protects us from Satan. Jesus is going to defeat him. We're fearful, like I said, of this virus. We're afraid of what it might do to us and our families. But people, as Christians, 
what do we really have to be afraid of? Have you heard that statement, you know, they can kill us, but they can't eat us? You know, that kind of applies here. You know, that our bodies can be riddled by a virus or crushed by anything, but our souls are intact and our souls can't be touched. So we need to have a fearlessness that comes from knowing that Jesus' power is greater than anything we can experience here on earth. When it looks like defeat, when it looks like we're just, we're defeated, and it looks like the game is over. Folks, Christianity has never been on the right side of history. It never has. I've, I've had friends that are telling me, boy, persecution is getting really bad today. It's probably worse than it's ever been. Are you kidding me? Nobody's killing us. Nobody's hanging us upside down and painting us with tar. It's not happening right now. And I'm not saying it, it might not but, but if you tell me that persecution, this is the first time we've seen it, boy, you're not studying your history. Tell me something I don't know. Christianity has been under attack from the very beginning, from the very start. The Romans tried to kill it on the cross. And over the centuries, there have been tons of people that have tried to stamp out and kill Christians. Even today, we have organizations like ISIS, we have radical Islam, we have different people that want us dead. Back in Jesus' time, there were about 500 believers on that day before He ascended. Today, there are 2.3 billion Christians across the world. How's that been working out for them? It can't be defeated. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. No one can touch the church. Jesus said the church is safe. Jesus said no one can defeat it. And that's prophecy. Folks, hope is our choice through faith in Jesus Christ. Hope and faith, those two things that are intertwined. And can't be separated. And our hope as Christians was born out of a single act. Our hope as Christians, the thing that gives us hope, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, there's no hope. If Jesus was just a good teacher that ministered for three years and was willing to die to make a point, and they put him in a tomb, and if his body was still there, then all this is just one big cruel joke. All of this is just folly. Uh, Paul says that we're to be basically pitied if that was the case. Without the resurrection, there's no hope at all. But folks, we have hope because Jesus was resurrected, because He transcended the grave, because He, he conquered the grave. Because of that, we don't have to die a permanent death. Our hope lies in that. It lies in that fact, that one single act, that resurrection of Jesus. That is our hope. You know, Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. And it's a way for us to remember Him. It's what He said. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And we're going to do that here in just a second. So gather that up if you haven't already. Uh, just a piece of bread, some juice. It doesn't really matter what it is. It just matters what it symbolizes. You know, Jesus went to that cross and He was hung there. And His body was broken. 
His side was pierced. He took on our sins. He took, took on the sins of the whole world. People there, people that had lived before, people that live now. He did that so that we might have an eternity with Him. This bread symbolizes that body, that broken body that hung on the cross, pierced for our transgressions. Lord, we stand before You today a thankful and a hopeful people. Our hope in You is certain. Lord, for that sacrifice that You made on the cross, we remember You. We honor You today as we gather as Christians in communion around Your table. Lord, bless this bread that represents Your broken body. Let's take the bread together. Father, we take this cup that represents your blood that sealed that covenant. God, we love you for your sacrifice. Remember the blood that spilled at the foot of the cross that washed us from our sins. God, bless this as we partake. Let's share the juice together. Father we come to you today this, this special day it's Pentecost Sunday the day that the Holy Spirit came upon your apostles 50 days after Easter we celebrate that today as we celebrate this communion God I pray for your church not just Journey Church but your church your world, worldwide unbeatable unbreakable church God, I pray for an acknowledgement. I pray for a revival of spirit. I pray for a new hope. As we've gone through some crazy times, Lord, nothing has changed. Our hope lies with you. God, we love you. And it's in your son's name that we offer our prayers today.